Welcome to the Art of Money podcast with Art McPherson. And thanks for checking out the Art of Money podcast. My name is Mark Owens alongside Art McPherson and Luke McCarty. All the information for the McPherson Financial Group. You can find it at theartofmoneyradio.com. Let's go ahead and get to it this week because Black Monday, it was this week back in 1987. And this is how ABC News reported on it. Was clear from the opening bell as investors, large and small, sought to get out of the market to sell at any price. The market makes me feel very nervous now. It's going up and down every couple of days. It's time to get out. The Dow dropped 22%. It was the largest one day percentage decline on record. It wasn't the only Black Monday in 1929, help ushered in the Great Depression. In 2015, a 10% drop. And last year, a over 7.5% drop. So, Art Luke, many are predicting another major market correction in the short term. But do you think we could see another Black Monday? It's always very possible. Right. Nobody predicted, you know, the Black Monday from 1987. <laughs> I won't tell you how old I was then, but I was I was here. <laughs> uh, and then nobody predicted the most recent one back when COVID, right, in March of last year, where really, really bad news came out over the weekend and the selling just didn't stop. Right. I mean, it stopped down 7.8 percent. But since Black Monday of 1987, the stock market put in what's called a circuit breaker that says in the event the market sells off, Right. If it sells off 7% in one day, there's a 15 minute pause. You can't trade anymore. Right. And then if that seven down goes down 13, there's another 15 minute pause. Can't trade. And the big one, right, is 20%. If the market's ever down 20% in one day, the stock market closes. So they've put in some circuit breakers. 20 still seems like a really big and bad number. <laughs> um, so don't have all your eggs in the stock market on the next Black Monday. The reason it seems like a big, <laughs> bad number, Luke, is because it is. That would be 7,000 points on the Dow. Mm, that's a big number. So, yeah. But basically what they've done with the circuit breakers, Mark, is they put those in place to try to let people take a pause and be like, okay, wait a second. Am I panic selling here or what am I doing? You know, and and don't get caught up in, and you never want to trade on emotions. And a lot of times those kind of days can be very emotional and can be very nerve wracking and people will make you know, really bad decisions with emotion. So it's it's trying to give people the opportunity to take a breather, take a break, and then just slow uh, craziness. Give me an example of trading on emotions. Well, basically, you have heard and heard and heard that you should go out and buy Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. You buy Bitcoin and you hear from your son or your daughter or your niece or your nephew or your coworker in the next cubicle to you. And they say, go buy Bitcoin. And you ask them, how much do you have in it? And they go, oh, I've got $10,000. You say, okay. So you put $5,000 in Bitcoin. And then you look at it the first time and it's worth $4,300. And then the next day you look at it and it's worth $4,000. And the next day you look at it, it's worth $3,800. You're like, I'm done with this. This is not me. That's emotional buying because you bought it emotionally upfront because you have no idea why you bought it other than somebody told you to buy it. Mm -hmm. And then you sold it when it was starting to lose money for you. And you had no idea why you were in it in the first place. So <laughs> that's an example of buying emotionally. <laughs> yeah. Another example that, you know, that we see is, you know, if you go back to 0809, right, in your 401k, you lost a bunch of money, mm -hmm. more than likely, right? You probably lost some money in 0809 in the 401k. Well, if you made a change saying, gosh, I don't want to put any more of my paychecks into the market and you stopped your contributions, right? You're not necessarily selling. You're just no longer buying. That can be a, an emotional play as well when when you would really want to do the exact opposite, right? You want to increase your contributions in a time like that. So there's the buying and selling emotionally. There's the 
bad decision making emotionally. Mm-hmm. And we as humans, when we think about money, right, when we lose money, it hurts. It hurts worse when we lose money than it feels good when we make money, if that makes sense, right? The market's up, you feel okay. If the market's down 5 or 10%, you feel bad, right? right? You feel worse <laughs> than if the market was up yeah, I, on the opposite spectrum. Did I say that right? I don't know. I'm trying. Yeah, no, you no, did. No, you no, did. It makes sense because you make yeah. money, you're like, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. But if right. you lose money, you're like, no, this isn't fair. Nobody wants to lose a penny. It's just the way it is. It's human nature. We love talking about our exploits. We love talking about how much we made. And if you talk to somebody next to you at work, guaranteed this, they will tell you, I bought this stock made 100%. I bought this stock made 1,000%. But they will never tell you the eight stocks in between where they lost 700%. Right. Ask, you know, it's just human nature. We just don't do that. We talk about our successes, not our failures. Nobody comes back from Vegas and says, yeah, I lost nine grand. But they will happily say, I won big jackpots and got a couple of free buffets out of it. Correct. Right. And I got a meal comp. You know, I got a room comped and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. Three I spent really- so much money, they comped me. <laughs> exactly. <Good job. laughs> yeah. I got three really, really bad drinks out of it that made me sick. Yay. Yeah. I mean, I, I will go if I do go and I gamble at all. It's just I pick a budget. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to shows tonight. I'm going to do this or whatever. I would spend $200. So I say, okay, I'll, I'll go out with some friends and I'll spend $200. So I am not a gambler by any means, shape mm-hmm. or form. But I saw a guy in about 15 minutes lose $35,000. Oh, my goodness. Then he just signed another piece of paper. And then over the next, like, half hour, lost another $15,000. And then the worst thing is he was having his son play, too. So when he did the 35, his son did 15. They both lost that. And then he signed another paper for his son to play with another five. I mean, they just seriously burned through that money. And then later, because we were with a group of guys, I said, hey, you ever win it back? And he said, no, but they caught me a room. I'm like, well, it better be a really good room since you spent like $75,000 for that night on it. Jeez. I go, that's a car. That's a pretty sweet car right there. Yeah, but you know what? I got a free mini bar out of it. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that airline bottle of Bombay really made up for it in the end. Right. So gambling is not a great way to make money. So Luke and I never try to gamble with our clients' money either. We want to make sure we are consistent, good, long-term, and we really, really protect against the volatility the market can really create and also uncertainty that comes about here and there and this panic selling and things that go on at times. We want to really try to avoid those negative events. 772-281-5223 to reach out to Art McPherson, Luke McCarty, and the entire team at the McPherson Financial Group. And this weekend, if you have that five hundred thousand in assets well art is offering a complimentary comparison with no obligation to become a client there's no fees attached but it's just good for the next five callers this weekend so give the team a call and set up that consultation again it's a complimentary look at your retirement portfolio it's 772-281-5223 there was a good story and an edward jones ageway poll found that about 70 percent of americans are shouldering the burden of health care and financial support of aging parents or relatives However, doing that can derail their own retirement plans. So as we get that second look into our retirement portfolio, what strategies can you suggest that could help these challenges while we try to meet our own retirement goals? We've seen this all too often. And the most of the time when a client goes through this with one of their parents, they change the way that they're saving and they change the way that potentially their kids may have to take care of them. So when we see it, right, it's it's mom or dad going to the hospital, mom or dad going to long-term care, right? They don't have the resources to cover it, so now, you know, the client's covering it, right, from a different portfolio or from a retirement account. It's always hard to 
kind of reel that spending in because you're spending on a loved one. And we understand that. But kind of the lesson learned is that if if you deal with that within your family and see it real life, real hand, you should make sure it doesn't happen to you when you're that age. And it could potentially you know derail your kid's retirement. Yeah. If you look, Mark, at the stats, just like Luke's talking about, I think now the numbers are 30 percent of us are going to have long term care needs. So it's getting higher and higher and higher as a percentage. So it's not something you can just say, oh, it's not going to happen to us. It's not going to happen to my family. No, there's a very high probability of will. So why don't we try to attack that way ahead of time when you're younger, just starting retirement? Because typically our clients that need to go through a long-term care type of event is typically mid-80s, so we have a long time to prep for that. One thing that Luke and I always try to do is what is the lowest cost solution? You know, How do we solve that problem for cents on the dollar? So if it's gonna cost you $5,000 a month, $7,000 a month, $10,000 a month for long-term care, how can we solve that problem for $500 a month? Or you know, an X amount of money that we reposition in the portfolio to cover that risk. There's just, there's ways to do it where you don't have to pay these crazy premiums forever and you can do it where it it fulfills the need, takes a risk off the table. Now we know we've accounted for it. Do you ever have a conversation with a client who has that just in case bucket? Because we talk about our buckets in retirement, that just in case and say, look, there's a real chance that I may need to build an in-law suite for my parents or Mm -hmm. my mother-in-law, father-in-law. Do you get those conversations? We do, and more often than not, that just-in-case bucket is in cash. And if your just-in-case bucket was in cash this year, right, you're down, call it 5.9%, right, the cost of living adjustment for Social Security and, you know, inflation. So if your just-in-case bucket, your ultra, ultra rainy day fund, right, your hurricane fund, right, because right, you always need that rainy day fund in cash doing nothing, even though it stinks, right, your emergency fund. It smells like your bathroom. It smells like your bathroom. <laughs> too soon, uh, Art, too soon. <laughs> But your big, big rainy day bucket or, you know, long-term care bucket, it just, it like Art said, you need to either spend cents on the dollar to solve it, mm-hmm. or you need to have a bucket of money growing, keeping up with inflation, outpacing inflation, because healthcare costs more than inflation. Yeah, unfortunately, before inflation kicked in this year like it has, and how long this lasts, nobody knows at the moment. But if you looked at healthcare costs, it was traditionally about six to seven percent year increases, where inflation was running two, two and a half percent. So now, if we're starting to run five percent inflation and higher, um, now we might have a nine or ten percent healthcare costs, you know, inflation factor. So preparing for that now while you're younger, age 60, 65 is very, very helpful so that when you get out there when you may need that and may use that. Now we may not have all the costs covered. Like if we planned at today's value and current costs and when you get out there, it's twenty thousand dollars a month instead of ten or fifteen, at least you have part of that taken care of. You know, so it's gonna help solve that problem. Thanks for listening. Want more from Art McPherson of McPherson Financial Group? Find us online at artofmoneyradio.com. We are an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of financial and insurance products to custom suit their needs and objectives. Securities offered through World Equity Group, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services offered through ProStatus Group, LLC. McPherson Financial Group and ProStatus Group, LLC are separate entities and are not owned or controlled by World Equity Group, Inc. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not 
a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Investment financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. Art McPherson is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Arthur McPherson. Florida Insurance License Number A174725. Today's show has been a work of art. 